0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro
1: Tar on Mile High Sports. It is definitely Friday. A Friday on the brain. Friday is fantastic. I love it. Fridays are even better when we get one of my favorite guests to come on who is now on a Friday. So we got everything going. Justin Adams from CBS <laughs> News Colorado is joining us. Of course... Uh, Mr. Colorado, Mobella High School, University of Colorado. Of course, they're down CBS News. Justin, thanks so much for. Uh, well, you know you're on TV, so I can't really claim it. And I didn't play football anywhere locally, like so you know it's not really my. It's not really mine. So I, I'm happy to make sure that you uh, you get to have that crown. But Justin, thanks for joining us today. The, the The big news for the Denver Broncos coming into week two. There are a lot of things to look at, but Javante Williams' return in near at least seemingly miraculous fashion, because the shorthand, as people say, tore an ACL. And then we tore three of the four major ligaments in the knee and expected to play. Here we are in preseason week two. Uh, how shocked are you and how worried are you in each of those different ways?
0: Yeah, especially coming back 10 and a half months after you had a huge injury like that. I'm extremely surprised that he's even coming back, to be honest with you. And, you know, reading articles and taking a look at You know, just for Javante Williams, what he wanted to do, he wanted to come back faster from that ACL tear and several other different tears, and then he wanted to come back, you know, better than he did before. Now, it's easy to say that when you're a younger running back going into your third season – But I'm thinking of the long-term prospects for this young man. What's going to happen after the following year? And we already know how running backs aren't valued at all in the NFL. You think about it, that's the first thing that's going to come up, Despite no matter how good he does. He can run for 1,000 yards. He can run for 1,500 yards. The first thing that will come up is, how's your health? And we know that you already had that ACL tear. So for him, me personally, I would say, hey, be patient, take your time. But honestly, if this is something that he wants to do, then you take those three to four carries, you take that opportunity to catch the ball at the backfield, and you make the most of it, and you show that you're back and ready to play.
2: Uh, You kind of hinted at it, but you would limit him as apparently Sean Payton wants to do because Sean Payton's talking about playing starters generally 20 to 24 plays. But maybe for... Williams, it's closer to ten plays.
0: I mean, even can I get five? How about this? How about he just stretches? Like do a really good stretch, run the full length of the football field, and then quickly take your helmet and shoulder pads off because we don't need you to get injured. I mean, to me again, yeah personally, yeah. it's well, one of those things where it's like, why are you even out there? But if you're going to be out there, yes, you could say ten plays. But here's the thing, Sandy. What type of players are we going to see? Are we going to see him be able to pick up a blitz? Are we going to see him be able to leak out and catch a ball in the flat? Is he going to actually run a different route than that? Is he going to have a stretch running play, or is he going to run just right up the A-gap and the B-gap? Is that something that we're going to see? Those are the things that I'm interested in. Look, if you're going to play and you're going to test out this knee, then let's go and actually see with a diverse amount of plays, even though they're going to be, say, four or five.
2: I'm – talking because I m- more fundamentally agree with you than I do with the Broncos on this. And neither one of us are, are doctors, but you played and you know about injuries like mm-hmm. this.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if, if
2: they're going to play him, if they're going to play him at all in the preseason, right. Tomorrow night has to be the night. because no, no starter is going to play against the Rams. Especially after the joint practices, that's when the starters will get their work. Ones against ones, twos against twos, threes against threes, and all all that. So, is it? It sounds like you're saying you would be more comfortable if he tested it out on opening day, as opposed to really doing much of anything in the second preseason game, I mean, if you're only going to give him the ball three or four times and maybe he catches a pass and then he comes out, you're kind of wondering risk and reward. Uh, seems to be more risk in that than reward when then after the game tomorrow night, he's going to sit around for three weeks. And, and mm-hmm. Justin,
1: before you answer that, let me add to that because I think there's another part of that. It, the question would then be, is this more for Javante Williams? to feel confident because he needs to get out there and take a hit or be able to block and get confidence in his leg, even though there is a risk.
0: I understand it all, guys, but you having joint practices, aren't joint practices just right. as important as games these days? Yeah. Like for yeah. me, I'm looking and saying, More hey, important. I understand, Right, I understand hey. like how Javante Williams runs. Let's call it what it is. He's a guy that literally wants to put two or three guys on his back yeah. and oh, continue yeah. to go down the field. He wants I to run them.
2: to contact and
1: through it.
0: Not around that, but you can still do that in joint practices, right? The only difference is you're not being taken down to the ground. Like you're having a thud period, you know, when you wrap up somebody go from there, but you can still lower your shoulder. You can still go and hit somebody on the opposite, you know, on the opposite and on defense. I just don't understand why would you go and put out this risk, especially for so few plays, because let's say your body finally does get warmed up, does get ready to go. You think it's going to happen in four carries? Like, we're talking about maybe 10 carries, maybe 15 carries. You finally settle into the game and get rolling, but only for four carries? I think it's more risk and reward. And for me, you would be better suited with saying, hey, let's go and shut you down for this game. Let's go and see how you respond to the joint practices against another team. Because we remember last year, even though that uh, Nathaniel Hackett training camp was really soft, we do remember how things were between Broncos and the Cowboys during that joint practice. I imagine it will be the same type of intensity you will see with the Rams coming into town. So that'll be a great opportunity to see how you will respond when you go on up against get somebody in a different Jersey.
1: And that's all your own on your own practice field with your own staff available in your own facility and all that sort of thing as well. Not that there's anything wrong with the Niners, but there's, there's a comfort level there. There's a good argument to be made. And Sean Payton indicated that it may be 10 to 12 plays only three or four of those carries indicating that perhaps you want to catch a pass or a swing out or something like that. It's, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people will be watching this through their fingers a little bit every time Javante Williams is out on that field. Uh, we'll, we'll turn our attention up to Boulder where, uh, depending on the way you view Deion Sanders, and I get it, everything that Deion says is, is sort of turned up to 11, and so you have to run it through the Dion filter, but... Uh, The tussle at practice, and that's really all it was, a tussle. It certainly wasn't a fight. It certainly wasn't a war. You've been involved in those where a guy gets thrown to the Mm -hmm. ground. And then uh, one of the offensive linemen stands up and pushes back. But a couple of guys are sort of walking off and not paying a lot of attention. And uh, Sanders balled them out. Uh, depending on where you look at it, some folks across the country said Sanders is encouraging a team to get in fights. I didn't see that. What I did see is a guy that understands we just brought in 70-plus players that weren't on, were not on on totally separate teams or unfamiliar to each other. I've got to find a way to microwave this and get them to understand once you pull on that Colorado jersey, everybody in it is your brother, and you have to stand up for them.
0: Yeah, especially because the first game you're going to play against a team that was just in the national championship (laughs) game last year, right? So, I mean, that's the attitude you have to have. I mean, the attitude is this, is you're going to play against an elephant. And you have to go in there and say, we're going to go and knock out this elephant however we have to. There's a lot of other different words I want to use, but this is a kid's show, so I won't use them. But you have to have that attitude of saying, we're going to do whatever we have to do in order to win this game. And What's the number one way you do that? It all starts with your mindset. If you're going to do anything great in life, it all starts with your mind first and then physically second. This team does have some talent. Now, they're not the same eleven team from a year ago. They do have a talented quarterback to have several talented pieces on the team overall. But if you're going to go and upset a team on national TV, and oh, by the way, they're coming off of a terrible loss in the national championship game, so they're going to be excited to play. If you're going to go and win that game, you better go and have everybody ready to go as a team, or else you will get embarrassed on national TV.
2: We've talked about this here and there with you throughout the course of the off season, really ever since Deion Sanders became the head coach, that it seemed initially people were so excited that they were forecasting eight wins, nine wins, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Out out of 12. And then that subsided and it kind of went the other way. And now you're hearing things like an over-under of three-and-a-half wins, and most people I've heard talking about it are taking the under as opposed to the over. I would take the over myself, but maybe I'm not uh, the best person to determine that. I was reading a piece today that suggested that Colorado, you spoke of talent a moment ago, will still in... As many as 10 of its 12 games, I assume the exceptions are CSU and Stanford, be at a talent deficit. Do you agree or disagree with that?
0: A deficit against Arizona? A deficit against Arizona State? I don't see that. Um, I could see Oregon State, definitely. It could be a little bit of a deficit. That's a ranked team. Yeah, that's a ranked team. But here's the reality. Utah, yes. I'd buy
2: Utah. I'd buy USC. I'd buy Oregon. Definitely. I'd buy TCU.
0: uh Yeah, are we serious with Washington the State? The reality is this, is that, guys, we don't know. I mean, as much as we would like to That's know. That's the best answer. This is the biggest question mark I think we have seen. If we're talking about Colorado sports just in general, this might be the biggest question mark in a decade. I mean, if we're really looking at this team, we have no idea what this team is going to look like when they jump on the field. No clue. There's no preseason game for us to look at. Despite all the different videos that you know Coach Prime's son has out there, we can look at all the videos in the world, and we still have no idea what this team is going to look like. So the best thing is this, is that you go with what you know. Okay? You know that they have a quarterback, Shadour Sanders, who was a four-star recruit, did very well at the FCS level. I understand and I get it. It's a total different ball game where you're going to TCU to play your first game of the year. Understand that. But you do have a quarterback who did put up some impressive numbers. I don't care where you play. If you do it at the college football level, you are doing something well. We know Travis Hunter is a player that was one of the top, if not the top, players when he was recruited and when he went to Jackson State with Dion. You have Kermani McClen, You have several other different pieces as well. But at the end of the day, it comes back to this. How quickly can this team face adversity and overcome adversity? Will this team go and falter or will they go and you know fold up their tent if they're down 14 and nothing on the road? Like this is this is a true possibility where TCU can get the ball first, drive down the field and score. After that happens or if that does happen, how will CU respond? Or how will CU respond to success? So for example, let's say the buffs do go up early on in that game against TCU. Will they be able to go and hold on to that win? Or will they kind of get comfortable and say, oh, wow, look at us. Can't believe that we're in the lead on the road late in this game. Hopefully we can hold on and win this game. It's all about mindset yet again with this team. What is it going to be? I understand the talent deficiency. It starts with that mindset. It starts with that togetherness. Then you look at what you have from a talent perspective and you see what will happen on the field.
1: We're talking to Justin Adams of CBS News Colorado. And I'm I'm with you. I I understand that the – when they're looking at the talent, and I understand that at a certain point, maybe they're not deep. The, the concern that is probably fair is that when you're looking at most of the holdovers, and they're not a lot, but they're mm-hmm. on the line of scrimmage. Uh, the skill positions, yeah. of course, are absolutely stacked. Travis Hunter, as you mentioned, the uh, athletic, uh, put together its preseason All-American list, and they had Travis Hunter on the second team. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they don't seem to have any issue with his ability, as, as listing him as what they believe is a second-team All-American. But... Uh, The skill position guys, as you well know, can only do what they do if the lines do what they do. And do we have any sense on either the offensive side or the defensive side? It's great to have Shadar Sanders. It's great to have Alton McCaskill. And it's great to have uh, Jimmy Horn. And it's great to have Cornwiney McClain and Travis Hunter on the back end of the defense. But uh, they can't cover uh, forever. So, I mean, do, do you believe there's enough on the line that will make a difference with this team in the early going? Or is there even enough to get there over the course of the season?
0: You know, what's the number one rule when you talk about radio? The number one rule is that you have to have an opinion. You can never say that you don't know. So you need to I have an on opinion one way or the other.
1: You do it all the time. I,
0: I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I do know this. I believe it's Van Wells, um, the center for yep. the Buffs. Um, He's coming back as a sophomore. He's a really good-looking player. Um, they have a right tackle who's like 6'10", <laughs> right? Like big, big kid. But other than that, to be honest, I, we just don't know. Like, we, we don't, who, who are the starters? Like, do we even know who the starters for this team is going to be, right? Have you seen a depth chart? I mean, the first game game is two weeks away. We have not seen a depth chart. We have no clue what this roster will look like. And I get it, right? You want to have as much of an advantage as you want going up against TCU. But we can't even look and say, hey, this is what they're going to have up front on offense or on defense. And probably on defense, you have Shane Coach for sure who's going to go and do some things defensively. But we don't know. And that's the thing is that if we don't know, then most likely TCU doesn't know. But all that question marks and everything don't only last for so long. Once you get to the second quarter, the third quarter, you're found out about what you really are about. And so we're going to find out what this team is. Again, when they get out on the field and it's on the road and it's at a very hostile environment and it's hot out there in Texas. We all know how it could be in Texas. It'll be brutal. In September.
2: Ooh, It'll be brutal brother. in early September
0: tell you what, all the social media cameras and everything that you have won't save you when it's uh, really hot out there on the field. So you better be prepared to be ready to go. I just think this, games are won and lost all the time in a game of football on the line. If they have enough attitude and enough skill up front, they could be able to win some games and to shock some teams. If not, then we're going to see this team in this spread formation, trying to get the ball out the hands of Shador Sanders as fast as possible because they can't hold up front. And that's going to be an issue because you could spread people out, but if you can't block anybody, then Shadour Sanders is going to be, you know, sacked a lot this season. So that will be an issue.
2: How much do you think uh, you'll be in the press box, I assume. Mm-hmm. I'll be in the stands. Uh, I I know I won't be in the press box, but I will be there. I'll be in the stands. <laughs> Even better. Um, I How much will we learn, do you suspect, uh, two weeks from tomorrow about this CU team uh, on the basis of what they do in the opening game of the season against a team that may not be what it was last year, but is still a top 20 team nationally?
0: it depends on what your expectations for this team is. If your expectations is that this team is going to win eight or nine games <laughs> yeah. and they come out and have a terrible showing, then you're going to think this is the worst team ever. If you go off and thinking that this yeah. team is 1-11 like they were last year yeah. and you just want to see them win three, four games, right? it doesn't matter what happens in the first game. only thing that matters is what happens against Nebraska. So those are the two yeah. things that you look at. And right. pretty much what you want is this. You just want hope. At the end of the day, win, lose, or draw, you want hope. But Coach Prime and everybody in black and gold, they would to
2: see a W in TCU. You, you want to see generally, and I, I think you're saying the same thing, but it you want to see some evidence that even if they aren't good enough right off the top to beat TCU, they might be good enough. The old saying that your biggest improvement comes between game one and game two in any season, regardless of whether the coach is new or not. Uh, mm-hmm. you want to see some evidence in game one that they can win game two and certainly win game three. Right?
0: And also, yeah, and also, Even the Broncos were
2: 2-1 and one last year.
0: Right, right. And here's the thing. Give me a reason to stay and watch the whole game. There were so many That's games last point. year that you left at the third quarter. And to be honest with you guys, and this isn't being talked about enough, I'm kind of going away from the bust a little bit to the Broncos, um, the Broncos, they better go and have some good showings too because once it gets to October – and the Nuggets start playing, and the Avalanche start playing, you're talking about a team that hasn't been to the playoffs for the last seven years. And, oh, by the way, they have played terrible football, like boring football, like let's go outside and have a walk or watch something else type football. You have to keep people entertained. I think that's the biggest thing for this team right now is this with the bus, is that you have to have people entertained, energized, and just they want to watch your product. And if you're the type of team that's getting, A, blown out – or B, can't do anything on offense, or you're just leaky on defense and you're giving them scores all over the place, then guess what? You're going to be, you might have a better record, but in many respects, people don't want to sit down and watch that. So that's why it's so important for CU to not only have good showings, but hey, go and win some of these games. It comes down to this for the Buffs this year. They got to upset somebody. They have to upset somebody they have no business upsetting. And for me, my pick since day one has been this. I believe this team has a great opportunity to upset USC at home. Now, will it happen? I don't wow. know. Wow. I, so. I think so, too.
2: Team. Wow. But
0: yeah. I mean, that's a, top
2: in- 10 that's a top-10 team. That's the team that's ranked sixth in the country I think they have going into the, the season. They have a Heisman the Trophy winner at quarterback.
0: But, but what else? Okay. If you're going to go and say, we need a program-defining win,
2: where, wow. where are we would on certainly do it. a
0: program-defining win? There it is.
2: Uh, so well, I think if you wanted Oregon – that would that would be nice. And yeah. actually, I think if you won at home against Oregon State, and I think there would be, nice be a too. better shot at winning that game than USC, or uh, even winning at Washington State uh, or Utah, I, I think that's kind of no-hope territory, the last game yeah. at Utah.
0: And they haven't ever won there, have they?
2: At They'd least as once. a Pac-12 team. Won yeah, once. they won
0: once. They won, won once months. on the Embry. Oh. Yeah, they won once. But But to me, my thought is this, is that – You need one win that everybody looks at and says, whoa, where did that come from? And, oh, by the way, this team is for real. And if you want to recruit all the top talent, which is what a lot of kids are waiting for, if you're going to recruit the top talent, you have to go and beat somebody you have no business beating. What a better way than to do it against USC. Now, I know, look, it starts with TCU. I come to the belief that I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. Um, I just think Oregon is that much better than CU, not even a talent deficiency. I just think, like, it's Oregon a, is yeah. a really tough place to be able to win. It's
1: right? a speed to thing, Utah. too. Yeah, it's a speed yeah, thing with those rosters.
0: It's so tough to, be, to beat Oregon. Um, but if you could be able to do that against USC, who, yes, they have the talent advantage over them. But if you could figure out a way how to get that done, then guess what? You're now in that five-game slate that you have for the first part of the season. And everybody stays interested. Everybody stays engaged with Colorado. If you get blown out of that game, then guess what? Dion was wrong. Right? We knew this team was a joke. And then slowly but surely, just like last year with Russell Wilson. Well, if a loss makes them one away. and four,
2: oh and five, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Then, but I think it. Heck, if they're two and three coming out of September, I think they've done great. And I think they have a shot. You. You just mentioned it at Arizona state early mm-hmm. October, they could be three and three. And even if the Broncos are three and three of the Broncos are boring, see, will be the big story. See you at three and three will be a bigger story than the Broncos.
0: And what was the last, unless time the Broncos that? are in defeat. Right. But, but Sandy, when was the last time we could say that? that CU is a bigger story than the Broncos. Once, than the,
2: the day they hired Deion Sanders, they were
1: a bigger story.
2: Yeah. The Broncos were blowing a game 10-9 in Baltimore. Yeah. CU is a much bigger story.
1: Otherwise, January 1991. Much bigger story. <laughs> That was basically, basically <laughs> it. Uh, he is Justin Adams. Uh, CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams TV is the Twitter handle and is Justin in the end when we're talking college football. I mean, what do you always say we're not supposed to trust? <laughs>
0: We're going to have a lot of fun, all right? Yeah. College football, it gets started next week. We're going to enjoy it all. It's going to be fun. But, uh, guys, it just feels good to talk about football game, doesn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, as Justin points out, part of the fun and problem with college football is you, we, were a, we were that age. Do you really trust any young men under 23 to <laughs> no, no. know oh, what no, they're no, going to do no, every no. single week?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Remember the rule. Remember the rule. I trust nobody 18 to 23. Yep, <laughs> I yep. I trust nobody.
1: Smart man. <laughs> he is just a... Especially, especially if... <laughs> If they're one of 68 new scholarships, yeah, so, I right. know what so, to make uh, of that. <laughs> that's part of the fun, right? If you knew in advance, it wouldn't be entertaining. So thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend.
0: Fellas, be blessed. Take care.
1: All right. Thanks, Justin Adams, joining us. you News Colorado, yeah, every, every time he says that, it cracks me up because I'm like, I was one of those ones. Yeah, that's good advice. That's really good advice. Uh, I, I wouldn't have trusted me either. Uh, and it might have gone a little further than even 1823, uh, if we're going to be totally honest. Hopefully, uh, I'm trying to think of Sandy in here. 18 to 23 days. Wild man just tearing up campus up at what, St. Lawrence. Well, yeah. I
2: mean, I got a St. Lawrence when I was 21. Ooh. So I still two years to go to be an imbecile.
1: Oh. I At least. At really? least two more oh. years to be an imbecile. I started early. Well, have a, it's, it is Friday. Of course, we have a few more opportunities. The Broncos will be playing their second preseason game on Saturday. We'll talk more about that next on Miley Sports.
0: Sandy Clough and Sean Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: So much of the focus at Broncos training camp have been the relationship between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, as we can imagine and understand why. But earlier this week, when talking about... Uh, the offense also talked about and and Joe Lombardi talked about it too, on making sure that receivers continued to follow through that, that everyone made sure that they understood that these plays can get extended and they have to continue being able to create. That's not out of the ordinary, of course, but the way Sean Payton is handling it is different than what Nathaniel Hackett did or Vic Fangio did or Vance Joseph did when he was head coach. So, when Kay Adams was out at Broncos camp for her FanDuel TV show up in Adams, she had an opportunity to sit down with both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and ask them about their thoughts about working with Sean Payton.
3: What's the biggest change that you see out here, not even out here, in the building? I know there's new signage. There's a lot of different things happening. Coach Sean Payton like probably picks the, the toilet paper that goes in the bathroom here. He's so specific about everything. What's the biggest change that you've noticed?
2: Uh, the biggest change?
4: um, just the way we practice for real, you know, that's the biggest change, you know, just the way we do things around here, you know, just how he want things done and
2: and stuff like that. So I feel like that's the biggest change for real. How
3: about you? Biggest yeah. change you're
4: noticing? I will say the same thing, you know, it's a, the, there's a, a rhyme and reason behind everything that he has going on and one thing I, I enjoy about coaching, um, I've been, you know, learning about him is, He's not just, you know, he tells us what's going to happen and he's going to explain why, you know, all the way down to, you know, every period in practice. It can be something as simple as, hey, we're going 7-on-7, but he's like, all right, we're doing 7-on-7, but it's going to be 7-on-7. The emphasis is, is, you know, bunches and stacks. And now, you know, we know what's going on. The defense understands what's going on. We all have an understanding of, you know, what the, the expectation is moving into that period. And, you know, that goes about, like you said, with the toilet paper, everything, you know, he does that with, you know, everything that we do in the building. So everybody knows what's going on
1: attention to detail not surprising of course but, but when you hear Judy and then Sutton speak. I, I like the end. Everybody knows yes. what's going on. Right. Nobody
2: knew what was going on that's, last year. That's Nobody the
1: understood it in the, in the preseason. Both, Nobody. Both men focus specifically right off the bat on attention to detail in everything and then when Sutton adds it in that's the other part that's important but there's methodology behind you know it what the emphasis and it's was transparent. Last year, Everybody knows why they're being asked to do what they're trying to do. Emphasis last year isn't having fun. Remember, It was camp, camp fun,
2: fun city. Right? To a certain extent, the valley was fun city last year during the
1: month of August.
2: Not so much fun in September, October, November, and December.
1: No, and that doesn't mean that you can't have a positive camp as well. No, I, I mean it but. isn't. It isn't either end of the
2: spectrum, but it, it's. It's, just, it's more professional. I, I i think all of us can concede that, even if we think expectations might be uh, slightly overblown um, when it comes to the team generally and certain players specifically. But I, I like Sutton's answer. It was uh, rather more lengthy. That's yeah. his personality as opposed to Judy. He was speaking first. But,
1: you got but Judy, was not in fact, right. a matter fact,
2: is said practice. He basically said everything's difference. different. Practice, practice is much
1: more attention to detail, practice. yeah practice is different it, it is it is the information part and Sutton talked about this before at the very first OTAs as did Justin Simmons who both mentioned the same thing uh, in different fashions and indicated that it the attention to detail was one thing but both of them talked about how educational it was that not they were never asked to do anything that they weren't also explained why we want you to do it and it, it seems, I guess, at a certain point where you look at it and say, "Well, who wouldn't do that?" Well, actually, coaches in every sport do that all the time. They just do it my way because I said so. Because you're players and I'm the coach. And less and so now, less though. so than it used to be. The good ones now. The good ones understand explain. that it's required for buy-in. Yeah. That's it, right. If you want you're players to buy in, you have to them to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And on a football field, when you're especially when you're asking guys to put their bodies at physical risk. They need to know why. And you know what? They should want to know, you
2: know why. I, and, and I was talking about Lombardi earlier. Uh, Lombardi ran very, very, very tough camps. But all camps were tough back then. Uh, I mean, even bad teams ran yeah, tough it was totally camps and maybe even got a little carried away in, in so doing. But Lombardi's thing was, the uh, great Lombardi line, maybe the most famous, fatigue makes cowards of us all. In other words, in December, when other teams are wearing down, And the weather's getting colder, Mm -hmm. especially around here.
3: You'll be in great
2: shape, right? You'll be in great shape, and you'll be cold when the ice bowl rolls around. I mean, he could have known that obviously beforehand, but you'll be cold and you'll be uncomfortable.
1: But think of how they'll feel. They'll be worse, and that's part of that's part of Denver's mystique too, right? I mean, okay, maybe it's one of those days, it's it's one of those ones, by the way, the Chamber of Commerce loves those, where you're on national TV or you're on a Sunday and it's snowing and it's it's windy or it's miserable, and uh, that's a Denver game. But you know what? The, historically, the other teams, the ones like, oh, they're the ones that should be dealing with worse. You're the ones say we live here. <laughs> We're fine. You have to deal with it. And the Broncos haven't had that swagger in a while. And you pointed out at the very early parts of the OTA, Sandy, that basically, and I think your summary was Sean Payton said, "This is a football. We're not going to bother with this for the next couple of weeks. It's
2: all about lifting and running, and that's what the first OTA was. We get
1: to the football,
2: we're going to lift. We're going to be in football condition, and then we get the they, football. They've done things, and I don't know that he said this, but in fact, the Broncos had kind of done things for years in reverse. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of football." And then, you know, conditioning kind of came with the first year head along coach. the way. The first time head coach. Right. And, they, you know, they maybe they wanted to establish their authority as football people. So they threw a lot at him, even Hackett, you know, the king of happy talk, uh, made it a point to say, I'm throwing everything at him right away. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll filter out the things that aren't as important or aren't part of the game plan for that week once the season starts. And, and it, it it just didn't work, but it wasn't that different from the way others had approached it. And Peyton was completely the opposite and saying, we're not going to do football stuff in the first month of OTAs. We're not. We're going to lift. We're going to run. That's it. There'll be plenty of football
1: stuff later on, but it will be later on. The offense with the way that the, the receivers are learning and Russell Wilson is learning, there's a lot, and they're still trying to gain some sort of – connection. Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson seem to have had one, and even though there was a drop in in the first preseason game, they were able to connect. Cortland Sutton's with Wilson has been a work in progress. Well, Sutton had an opportunity to sit down with Kay Adams and talked about the two receivers you just heard from.
3: I was just with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and I asked them who you like more and they both sat there like, I don't, do you, you just love them both? Yeah, of course. <laughs> how could
4: you not? These guys, man, these are two, two stars, man. That's just how they, Jerry, just how he gets open, you know, he's he's hard to cover, man. It's just, it's, it's, I'm not sure if I've seen anybody cover him yet, you know, and then you have Cortland Sutton who can make every play, every catch, you know, he's, you know the best thing about Cortland is he can play any sport. I'm telling you, this guy he can he can hit a golf ball 350 yards. He can he can shoot a basketball. He can play anything. Um, so it's cool. It's cool to be around both of
1: them. Love that one because uh, if there is possible to put a ball on a tee for Russell Wilson with a question any easier than that one, that's got to be it, right?
2: Yeah, that, that that's <laughs> one where you got to know your interview subject and you serve him up something like that. Who do you like better? He would never, in a million years, yeah. say he likes you. Judy could have better, you could have picked out all, all other players on the roster. Any Rocco game certainly last more comfortable year, with you. You knew that, it, especially the last six. You knew that he was much more comfortable throwing to Judy.
1: And I would argue that, quite frankly, by the end and of he the had no year, he appeared to be more comfortable no throwing to, to Dulcich than oh, he did.
2: I, Sutton I agree as well. He was completely uncomfortable with uh, with Sutton, but and and
1: Sutton with him. But
3: that's but one of you'll the things never, in, you'll in, in, never I want that. to see in this game you'll when the starters
1: are. I want to see that that start to materialize, because well, at this we, point, I mean, to an extent, you guys are both veterans at this point. You know what? Figure it out. Of all the things that we talked about before
2: the game last week, one of the most important was seeing if there was any rapport, because none seemed to exist last year between Wilson and Sutton, and Sutton did catch three passes for thirty-five yards, so. If you're looking for a highlight, I think that would be it—that Wilson and Sutton connected three times for 35 yards. That would be it. That would and be that's my that's a good point. It doesn't more than have... the touchdown pass to Judy because we know they get along, right, uh, in, in a professional sense. I'm not
1: talking about, there's no, but person. there's nothing to learn on the field about that—that they've, they've been in sync. We've seen
2: but, it. But again, why, why wouldn't uh, Peyton Manning did, did this? He, he drew some distinctions without ripping. Uh, one guy or the the other. He, 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 I mean, Peyton Manning was clearly more comfortable throwing to Demarius Thomas as opposed to Emmanuel Sanders, and Brock Osweiler was clearly the other way around, and it was no secret. It was not disputed by
1: and that's not a either usual. one
2: of them or any uh, or either of the receivers. Uh, Thomas was the one who wanted uh, Peyton to come back in in the worst way. And Osweiler and Sanders really seemed to develop a rapport. And Sanders, actually, because Osweiler threw the deep ball a little bit better than Peyton at that point, Sanders preferred Osweiler. And it's, it's nothing; it didn't mean that Sanders couldn't play with Manning. He was great in the playoffs. Actually, Demarius Thomas with Manning in the playoffs didn't produce as much. So it, it, it was not personal but it was professional and distinctions have always been made. I mean, John Elway and the three amigos, um, when Steve Watson was around, Steve Watson was John's favorite receiver. There are no bones made about that. It wasn't this nonsense that that he, he just as soon throw to rookie Vance Johnson as opposed to veteran Steve Watson. And I, I guess it's, it's, it's never going to change with, with Russell Wilson. He he is going to be the, the, the Sultan of sugarcoating, uh, never has heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day.
1: And, uh, that's fine when it's working. And that's the trick. It's got to start working for the Denver Broncos. Wilson did have an opportunity to talk to Adams about the, uh, the weight loss, uh, both, uh, Sean Payton at one point also pointed out the same thing we did yesterday. As a matter of fact, Sandy, this idea that you know, Russell Wilson maybe lost thirty pounds. That no, he wasn't no. ever that. But he wasn't Peyton that much ever. 15. But Peyton said Peyton fifteen. But Peyton said fifteen, and Wilson said fifteen. So Adams wow. asked him specifically about that, and we'll hear from her next. Well, I can't wait.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: Happy Friday! You've made it. Uh, pat yourself on the back. Enjoy a, a football weekend. There's preseason football going on right now. Of course, the Broncos will play uh, tomorrow. There's Giants there's, are up seven uh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dexter Lawrence doing his thing and literally just shoving other players into the opposing quarterback. I'll tell you
2: what, he's he's a player. <laughs> he is. A did, player. did you he's, do you remember the sack last year where he oh, pushed Quentin man.
1: Nelson into the quarterback? <laughs> yes, like, uh, I do. Future Hall of Famer I Quentin do. Nelson. Is, I'm like, hello. Well, yeah. Wow. The, 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 not if he has to play against Dexter. Uh, no, no. Uh, obviously, that uh, there's a lot going on there for the Broncos. The uh, longest look that fans will get at the starters, obviously the joint practices next week with the Rams will probably be even more impactful. Yeah. But the last chance, I think you'll get a significant look at the starters. Uh, we've been playing some <laughs> sounds from Kay Adams' FanDuel TV show, and she talked a little bit about uh, to Russell Wilson, who was, of course, very demonstratively praiseworthy of his, praising his wide receivers but was asked about by the way we've sort of uh, eliminated the mystery by the way both Sean Payton and Russell Wilson sort of agree that the weight that he lost was uh, roughly 15 pounds nothing uh, out of uh, nothing crazy and uh, she asked specifically about the focus on doing that and why
3: I heard about it. I want to talk I mean a little bit about this 15 pounds I keep hearing about coach brought it up why did you slim down that's a lot of weight
4: well I'm just trying to uh, be as lean as possible. Quick as possible, I'm trying to uh, you know stay in my younger days as long as, as long as possible. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I feel great. You know, I've uh, you know I've, I've done a, a whole change on kind of my my uh, timing of when I eat and all that kind of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of intermittent fasting and stuff like that. So that doesn't
3: even sound a little bit fun. It's not us. bad
4: actually. Once you get used to it, the discipline. It's good for the mind.
3: Yeah. What's the, mind. the one food that you miss the most? Like, could you, what is Russell Wilson's guilty pleasure? I, I,
4: you know, I, I'm a huge like if you go to a restaurant and there's mac and cheese, you got to try it. I, I've been staying away from that. You know, I grew up on that. So, But the biggest thing is, is you know, uh, just try to eat as lean as possible, feeling good. You know, I've been working out multiple times a day,
1: you know, so I feel great.
2: Well, that's an unusual burst of candor from Russell Wilson, I mean, admitting a, that he lost any anyway. weight. Of course you're going to gonna lose mac
1: and cheese. And, and, I mean, uh, I don't blame him on that I,
2: one. I, but no, I don't blame him on that either. But acknowledging that he lost any anyway. weight is and, an even unusual challenge, step and, and even making a reference
1: day. to trying to get back to the younger days a, a rare admission that it's like, yeah, you know what? Being older, I do have to make some changes. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's oh, yeah. a moment yeah. of candor. And, no, and I've noticed the, the, the
2: dietary changes and maybe what, what did he call it? Intermittent, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. And okay. uh, whatever the, works.
1: The other part that I thought was interesting is Russell Wilson who loves to normally talk about that stuff. Just skated right over when she asked him, We're going to be running a bit more? Just just flat ignored it entirely. Didn't address it, which I think is an, an, an interesting thing, too, because Russell generally is quite attentive at that kind of stuff and make sure he has an opportunity to, to point out that he can still do all the things that he does. I, I think what we heard from Wilson, as you pointed out, sort of a rare burst of candor in the understand, and, and I think one of the biggest concerns the Broncos fans had, and again, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be amazing. I'm not. But there are things, it's baby steps, the things I wanted to see. I wanted to see him attempt to stay in the pocket in game one. He did. That's all I wanted. I wasn't even worried about the stat. Just try to stay in the pocket. He did. Uh, he's, he's made the efforts to try to, to connect there. For the first time here, we're basically hearing, I'm getting older, and I had to make some concessions to that. Yeah, he didn't quite put it that way, but yes, that was the But the hint is, you know, that yes, and, and, and that was the next thing. Does Russell Wilson understand? He's not... 27, 28 years old, and you have to handle things differently. That's maybe one of the first to signs that, to paraphrase Shaq, that yeah, 34 ain't 24, bro. Uh, no, 34 is not even 31, <laughs> especially in football age. So, uh, what you are hearing, I think are the, the, are the things you want to hear and seeing the things you want to see. Does that mean that it will automatically equate to success in the football field? Absolutely not. And I'm not making that suggestion. But I am saying that if he's going to get back to being successful on the football field, these have to be part of that foundation, yeah. Sandy.
2: He was fat. He was Well, let me put it this Overweight way. Overweight for – He yeah. was chubby. Yes. A uh, little chubby at the end of last year. Now, uh, this is based on purely my recollection. I didn't think early on in the season that he was carrying around that much weight. By the end of the season, yeah, it was pretty clear that he was at least 10 or 15 pounds heavier than he should have been, needed to be, whatever. But I think that happened during the season. I think he put on weight during the season. I don't think he started the season. No. Chubby. I don't recall us talking about White. that. No, I'm not. I'm not convinced he was in great shape, but I'm not convinced anybody was. Because they didn't run in practice, and nobody played in the preseason games. Mm-hmm. The conditioning was not emphasized. It wasn't a focus. It is being emphasized this year.
1: It is, and, and that may end up leading to those sort of things, too. But I think you're, uh, again, I think there were things we can take away from week one. It's it's this game that I'm really intrigued about. And I'm, I'm with you. When, when starters come out of a preseason game, I am curious because I want to see the, the Elijah Garcia's of the world pop up, or the, the opportunistic... Uh, uh, you know, the things for saying Uh, Bassey uh, or, or a Jaleel McLaughlin popping. I want, I like seeing that. I like seeing that. Right. But I also don't look at those things and go, that will alter the future of the Denver Broncos this year because they generally don't. No, they don't. You're exactly right. It's the starters and what they do that matters.
2: It is. But tomorrow night when the second teamers come in, I want to see if McLaughlin's out there. At least a little bit. I want to see if Grimes is out there. And, and, and maybe Grimes gets a look more with the twos. Now, the twos, at least on offense, include Jarrett Stidham, who was as close to being a disaster last week as you can get in an opening exhibition. It's
1: also supposed to include Marvin Mims Jr., who was supposed to make his preseason Another debut. Another
2: guy who, you know, the saying he caught a 40-plus yard pass this week in practice. Um, Peyton suggested that it was his best week of practice. And listed a top as to depth chart healthiest. in both kick and punt return yeah, duties. Right. So he, he will be returning to kicks and punts.
1: That's one of the – I want to – he will like be I doing. said, with uh, with Justin Adams joining us, I will be watching Javante Williams through my fingers a little yeah. bit. Uh, you know, fingers and toes. Crossed and Mims perhaps. less so. Mims, Mim's less so. Off a but but I'm but I'm fascinated by Mims because I that return game has been a problem for the Broncos for a while. Yeah. And even though he this is his debut, his debut on on the field right. and even something in a game situation, Sandy, he's atop mm-hmm. the depth chart.
2: Yeah. Uh, I want to see what that means. Right. Well, <laughs> well, we'll see what it means tomorrow, depending on how he performs. Because I, I think he'll he'll be able to go full bore. Williams won't be. And I, I think everything you hear, and I agree with Justin Adams, at, at some point you're saying, well, he's only going to carry the ball three or four times and maybe catch a pass, and he's going to come out after 10 plays, which could be one series, it could be two, um, probably not three. Uh, so he's going to play a series or two. You're almost saying, okay, if that's all he's going to do in preseason What's the point? Doesn't the risk outweigh the reward? What's the reward of getting him 10 snaps in the preseason as opposed to zero snaps in the preseason? Uh, You know, have him go through the joint practices, maybe not with the ones all the time, maybe getting some rest that a healthy player coming off a healthy season would not be getting. But that's where the test would be as opposed to the preseason game. And that's just a philosophical issue. Uh, and and Justin, I I respect his view as uh, someone who played, where where he says, I think he if you're gonna test him, test him in the joint practices,
1: uh, I, <laughs> as opposed it's hard to argue or it's four hard to argue with it touches in a and That's kind of why I think it has What's less. Show? I I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's just that simple. And I think and it's a and,
2: and, and one of the things I I wanted to bring to that conversation, it, it, the player always wants to play. And especially somebody like Javante Williams, who is referred to as our little superstar this week by Randy (laughs) Gregory. Uh, I I love Javante Williams. Uh, I thought I was getting carried away when during his rookie year I said he should start ahead of Melvin Gordon. But calling him our little superstar, uh, again, uh, a reminder of the Broncos' propensity to exaggerate and make premature declarations. Yeah, but that's, you know,
1: that's a player. That's a player, the player's opinion.
2: I know, but somebody coming off an injury who hardly played last year, um, especially coming from Randy Gregory, who's hardly ever played. Well, then maybe it
1: seems uh, like Justin, I mean, it seems like maybe Javante Williams is was dur- was durable comparatively. I don't know. It's so only missed the one year, but the, I, it is something we're going to be excited to see for sure, and uh, it's exciting and it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but for the Broncos, if they are going to surprise and find a way to challenge for the playoffs, a lot of things have to go right. And one of those things also has to be a healthy Javante Williams, because as much as we like the Samajah Ryan signing, and I still very much do, Pirine and Williams as a combo is going to be way more effective than just P. Ryan and perhaps uh, you're talking about a McLaughlin or a, a Tyler Beatty or, or Dwayne Washington. It's a totally but, but different you set. you know
2: what? Very quickly, uh, Chris Thomason came out with us the other day, and he suggested that it might be more of a 700-yard, 500-yard split between the two, and I sure hope Javante Williams is healthier than that. Because even coming back at mid-season, I would have expected 500 yards or close to it in half a season. 700 yards for a full season? That's a player who sounds to me as if he were rushed back. And the player, again, always wants to play. Sometimes the player has to be protected from himself. Yeah. And I think the the Broncos are trying to split the baby here a little bit. by I mean, I'm sure he... If it were up to him, he'd want to be out there with the starters for all 20 to 24 plays. So they're saying, no, we won't sit you, but let's split the difference and make it 10. And I'm sure if 10 became 12, nobody
1: would have a heart attack. We'll see how it goes, of course, and you know what we'll be talking about uh, Monday. We'll also, and we'll make sure we shout out the uh, U.S. Amateur Champ, by the way. The 36-hole final will be on Sunday over at Cherry Hills. That That will be fascinating as well. There's some concerts this weekend. Have fun Uh, with that. It is a terrific time to be in Colorado. It's beautiful August uh, late summer in Colorado, so get out there, enjoy it, have a great time, and we'll be back on Monday to talk more about this Broncos game, because this is the one where the uh, proverbial rubber hits the road against a team with actual playoff aspirations as opposed to Arizona, so we'll be back uh, breaking it all down. Thanks to Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado for joining us. Thanks to Danny Bailey for making everything work, whether it's uh, video or audio. By the way, yeah, video, I said that. You can go to MileySports.com watch, or you can go to Uh, Miley Sports, uh, get the app just about anywhere you'd like, any of your app stores, and get all of it in your pocket, uh, on-demand, video, audio, podcasts, reporting, you name it. Make sure you go check it out. And thanks, of course, to all of you interacting uh, on the call and text line with us over the air. We will be back on Monday. Have a wonderful and safe holiday weekend. For Danny Bailey and Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Have a great time, but, you know, leave it right here on Miley Sports.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend...